0: This season is sponsored by Future Farm, the revolutionary meatless meat food company from Brazil. They're cooking up products, which can match and exceed our juicy meaty favorites on taste, texture, and sizzling flavor using only 100% natural ingredients. My favourite? There's too much choice, but if I had to choose, hands down, it would be the future meatballs and future mints in my classic lasagna dish. And get this, they're standing up for some pretty big things too, like reclaiming the Amazon rainforest back by fostering the movement towards GMO-free and deforestation-free products in place of those that are unethical and illegal. Definitely not just another plant based brand, hey? Very up my street. The full Future Farm range is available now at Sainsbury's. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, industry insiders and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career and favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by Zach Posen, the internationally acclaimed fashion designer who is dressed the best of the best. I'm talking everyone from Naomi Campbell to Rihanna, Kate Winslet to Natalie Portman, Michelle Obama to Jennifer Lopez. Oh, and a lady from around the way, Beyonce Knowles. He was a judge on Project Runway for six seasons, won the CDFA's Perry Ellis Award for Women's Wear in 2004, and even dressed our very own Princess Eugenie in 2018 for her wedding reception. His designs are lavish, decadent, yet wearable. In 2019, he shut down his eponymous line, but that hasn't stopped Zach in focusing on other talents. In 2017, he released his cookbook, Cooking with Zach, and is taking social media by storm with his delicious, inventive recipes. As a true born and raised New Yorker, I feel like we have much to cover. Zach, what a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thank
1: you for having me.
0: I'm <laughs> happy to be How here. How are you?
1: I'm great. Happy it's summer.
0: Oh, I mean, for anyone who isn't watching this, um, I'm in a vest, which if you come from England, it's like a big thing.
1: Yeah. yeah it, it, <laughs> the, the heat wave has, has come.
0: Finally, finally. And we were that, about two, it, two, yeah. two months too late, but it's OK. I mean, whatever. It's been a crazy year, so nothing will surprise me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, Zach, obviously, as I said, you're in New York, so you're about, four, you're about five hours uh, behind me. Have you had breakfast this morning? I have. What did you have?
1: I had a smoothie Ooh. with my vitamins. Yes, I had a, a, a pie, I had fresh berries, some greens in there, really healthy uh, before nice. a kind of morning workout, and, uh, and then I have, about, I have one boiled egg as my protein, and then a banana, and I'm ready to go.
0: Wow, okay, and so are you having the smoothie every day?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: I find like smoothies don't fill me up. I need to eat something like
1: You know, I've been adding this like green protein powder to it and that helps. Mm. But I, you know, listen, there's nothing better than like a full breakfast either.
0: (laughs) But we can't do that every day. (laughs) I can't
1: do it every day, but believe me, I love a full breakfast and I love an English breakfast especially. We do a good breakfast. You do do a
0: good breakfast. So how is New York? I used to live in New York in my 20s. It's my second home. Uh, I haven't been there since 2018. How are you guys doing? It's obviously been a wild year.
1: Okay, New York right now is like crazy hot and the city has opened up. Um, so, you know, and it, you know, what happened when the city started to open up and the restaurants were allowed to open up is they all built outdoor really significant outdoor dining um, buildouts and so all of a sudden I have to say there's kind of this like East Asian feeling to New York because there's all these like outdoor you know every restaurant has interpreted their theme their vibe their style outdoors right and and there's lots of people eating outdoors and and that's fun because you kind of get to see Seafood as you walk by, which you don't normally Absolutely. get to do in New York. Like I can like be like, ooh, that looks good at that restaurant, or that you know. And, and I actually think it's pretty amazing. And apparently they're going to keep these um, nice
0: because they've done a similar thing in the in sort of the central of London. Um, and it also like aside from like Asian, it gives me quite like a European feel as totally. well.
1: Totally, no, no, it's like like cafe I'm in, like Barcelona
0: or yes. Rome or you know.
1: Yeah, you have a cafe society vibe. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, So that's happening. Um, The performing arts have not reopened. So we're missing that in New York City. But New York's bustling right now. Um, It's quite amazing. Central Park is packed. (laughs) Um, You know, and then at the same time, like the gardens are starting to get, you know, to, to, to begin their labor of love. And they're bounty. So, you know, my herbs are big and my tomatoes are, you know, I would say about three weeks away.
0: So you're growing loads of your own stuff. So talk to me
1: about what what, what you're growing. Uh, Right now, just on my terrace, uh, I am growing, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to have outdoor space in New York. Let's start there. It's a rare thing. Uh, I am growing about, I don't know, you know, like seven different varieties of tomatoes oh wow yeah and that's you know that's kind of a roll of the dice because sometimes in the heat and the wind on a on a rooftop um tomatoes the skin can get quite tough yeah but it's there's still nothing better than like and then so i have my tomatoes and then i have um you know i have lots of time creeping time everywhere and i have dill and mint and parsley, and my cilantro, and my rosemary, and I have strawberries growing right now. Strawberries are like, I like literally went away for a weekend, and I have like strawberry jam sitting in a box because it's oh so hot. Oh, God. Um, you know, you're
0: quite serious. It isn't just like having like a little potted plant in the corner growing basil.
1: <laughs> no, you know, I have my chives, I have my onions. you know just a little bit and then really if when I go for produce my parents live on a farm and outside in Pennsylvania outside of the city about an hour and a half away and and they grow delicious produce. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah.
0: So speaking about your family I just want to take it back a little bit so you were born and raised in New York. I was. true New Yorker. Very rare to come by these days. Yeah. I want to know what life was like growing up. What were you eating? Who was cooking? Okay. What was on the kitchen table? Like paint the whole picture sure. for me.
1: Okay, I grew up in lower Manhattan in an area called Soho. And yeah. Soho was, those are loft buildings, right? And my dad is an artist and they moved there in the early seventies. And he was a painter. So half of our living space was closed off to his painting studio. The other half was an open living space um, with an open kitchen, um, half walls for bedrooms. So all scents, smells, and sounds. I called my bedroom the ear
0: because I could hear everything,
1: Uh, you know, were collaborative. And in lower Manhattan and Soho, um, there weren't really supermarkets because it wasn't really zoned as as a residential area. It was originally a commercial manufacturing area that artists kind of took over and uh, for shopping, very close to us was Chinatown and little Italy. And so I grew up spending a great deal of time walking the streets of Chinatown, trying all kinds of unusual, you know, would be considered more foreign ingredients. Although to Mm. me, it's like my childhood uh, and, and Italy. And my dad, cooked every day uh oh, for wow. the family i mean we'd like take out probably like once a week maybe twice a week sometimes um and and that would consist either of like chinese new york takeout which was like such a thing in the 80s and also or like great in those new- little
0: cardboard boxes correct
1: yeah yeah or new york pizza you know, which was amazing, you know, so yes. I think that was pretty cool. Um, but my dad felt a family that ate together, stayed together. And uh, my parents met in Italy in the early 60s. And my parents wow. met with my dad bringing on their first date, my mom, an eggplant, and she didn't even know what it was at the time. I mean, she was from like, suburban New Jersey, right outside of New York. And, you know, her father had a wine store, uh, in the city. Uh, but you know, the food culture and like ingredients were not a, a common thing and she didn't know what to do with that, but <laughs> <laughs> that began, um, you know, their interest in food and exploration of food. So it was a really big part of my childhood and my dad, Made all kinds of things, and he followed um, the New York Times food uh, section and kept clippings for years. I have books of clippings, and they collected cookbooks and they experimented with food. And so that was that. And then on weekends, if my mom, who was you know a professional uh, working woman, um, she would bake with us. My dad didn't bake, but she would bake with us, my sister and I, and that would either be for like holidays or celebrations. Um, and then I would say the other food influence, weirdly, that I had is I had a Norwegian babysitter. So I was exposed <laughs> to like-
0: I was not expecting that. Yeah, I know, I, and,
1: and it was fabulous. I had my beautiful, blonde, tall
0: Oh my god! I love babysitter.
1: It. And I mean, maybe that's why I like got into loving like supermodels. I had, I had like my Faye Dunaway picking me up at like three years old. Um, and that exposed me to like a whole other kind of food culture growing up. And, you know, my love of salty licorice and weird salted fish, you know, came from that. Um, and, you know, that crazy brown, really sweet cheese that goes into there. Um, you know, and grav locks and all that stuff, you know. So, you know, a real influence. And I mean, growing up, I had, you know, my go to, like, since I was a child was like miso soup and tofu, you know, and that was just like Mm. local, like we'd go to the Korean market on our corner and get fresh tofu and, and that's what we would eat.
0: And so, I mean, you, you, but I still liked, like like nuggets
1: and stuff, you know what I mean? I like, mean of course, of you course. know, there were still like fish sticks <laughs> and nuggets, but yeah,
0: of course, but it it's was definitely, it was
1: definitely varied. And, you know, my yeah. few friends that grew up in this neighborhood, we talk about that, that it was, you know, pretty interesting. And then at the same time, my dad's from like Missouri from St. Louis. So he's like a barbecue guy. So it was like a really interesting oh. Full so gamut. I, I, I
0: can imagine you definitely weren't a fussy eater growing up then.
1: <laughs> Apparently I was a little fussy, but I was like, I really right. don't think it's fussy the way like I see kids who are fussy about eating. Yeah. Like, I don't think I ate mushrooms that long, but like, you know, for like special occasions or like self family celebrations out, we would go to like a Japanese restaurant and that was like a big deal, but that was like really where I fell in love with Japanese food and yeah, I think it took me a little bit of time to like really get into sashimi or sushi. But, you know, I was really, in, you know, I loved it. I mean, I'd have like beef negamaki and Oshitashi in my miso soup. And then it evolved.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have very similar childhoods. <laughs> it's nice to know that there's other people out there. Um I mean, obviously you were enjoying eating all these different cuisines. Were you also interested in cooking as well?
1: Yeah, I loved it. Or did
0: that come later on? Okay. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, I, I, I loved it because it was, like, creative time, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, like, all of a sudden there was, like, this epiphany that, like, mixing ingredients, you know, I don't know if it was, like, making a, a potion or, you know, it was something magic about it. Like, I have, I really tapped into the idea of, like, homemade magic or something cozy about that. Um, You know, something very Beatrice Potter about making cookies um, and cozy uh, in that sense. And then I think, um, I mean, you know, it started with eggs, right? Like, how can you make an omelet? Like, that was the first thing I remember, really, besides like ramen, instant ramen noodles on the stovetop, like, eggs, like, making my first eggs and how I would make, like, my scrambled eggs and, you know, starting with a with an onion or a shallot and then adding the eggs in. Um, and then it just kind of expanded. I There was a show on TV called Great Chefs, and it would, like, be a voiceover, and it was before Food Network and Cooking Network or Jamie Oliver or any of it. Yeah. And and it was great. And I would just watch the show religiously and hear these, you know, all you see was the hands of the chef, the ingredients and their voiceover and it'd be like their signature dish from all around the world. And, you know, and up and coming stars of the food world that, you know, you know, became the biggest chefs of our time or were the chefs of the time of the 70s or the 80s, the 90s you know into the one so
0: there was a real sort of like a deep because I always think there's like a difference between like actually enjoying food and actually enjoying cooking food like you genuinely loved to like make the food as well yeah food is really love.
1: important like as much Completely. as eating food oh I actually God. love preparing it I love yeah the process of it I find it very calming and meditative I put on music mm-hmm. generally I zip it it's like I'm in my zone yeah, which is and nice so, and yeah. uh I don't know. It's like a quick magic nurturement to cook. Mm. And you really Mm. have to be spontaneous and instinctual and intuitive. And it is a kind of dance. And it's really similar to when I'm like draping clothing and that process. I was just
0: about to say there is a real similarity with that. I guess listen, I'm not... In fashion, and have never been, but I can imagine there's that creativity in a way. Yeah, I bet if you starting love cooking, with your your bits, I could teach then... you how to
1: drape. Like you have your different. I mean, ingredients.
0: I'd, I'd be very happy if You, you know, me drape. you got to be
1: comfortable <laughs> with scissors and pins, but it's expressive in that way. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And I first so it went from like eggs to then I went into like a early depressed middle school teenage years, like right before A levels, I would say into like a time of like crazy baking. I like got into like, I was like one of those kids that like loved elaborate, crazy baking okay. and like learning my chocolates and mousses. And you know, I, I was you know playing with gelatin and fondant. Oh my and...
0: God, we need to get you on the Great British Bake Off.
1: Yeah, I love that stuff. Like I would have yeah, been like one of on those that. kids, <laughs> I, I would have been like the messy kid that got like the weird like wabi-sabi beautiful cake at the end um and that was just like really fun and uh I love that show by the way and um you know and and then it evolved into savory as I got older right as you start to like cook for yourself I mean I moved to London when I was just turning 18 to go to university and like that was the first time like I had to cook for myself and it's London like you know 19 what 98 so like food culture hadn't totally hit yet. Mm. But it was like a new exploration of, of cuisine and having to like with you know not very much figure out how to cook lots of good pastas and you know, what what yeah you know, what a student living alone should try to cook. Of
0: course, of course. So you were in London, you went to St Martin's yes. Um, I went to one of those schools. I went to London College of, I think it was London College of Printing at the time. Oh, cool. I was at London College. Yeah. Anyway, I want to know about actually your experience in London. How did you find it? How did you find the food? I know you've mentioned now that I it probably it. wasn't what me? it was now. I was
1: terrified and I thought I had arrived. And like, really? I, I really like, you know, I was living my best you know, I don't know what I would call it. I would say that my style at the time was like new, new, I don't know, what would I say? It was like, you know, romantic punk Dickens. Oh, perfect. It was like perfect, but it was like so not in at the time. I mean, we're we're <laughs> dealing like this is like full on, you know, like, you know, Daft Punk and, like, Robbie Williams time. And I was, like, in this full kind of romanticism. I mean, I wore Ivy in my hair and, you know, weird cut-up clothing. You you know, and for some people it was, like, a throwback to, (coughs) excuse me, some other time. And I just, like, I could not have had a more magical experience. And I really never thought I would leave the U.K., and my best friends lived there. And I, you know, I, I lived in a few places. I lived in a basement in Bloomsbury because it was yeah. close to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of close to Lamb's Conduit Street, which now is like I a know. whole thing. But it was not yeah. then at all. Um, and there was great kind of Middle Eastern food around the corner as you'd get to King's Cross. And good in- international ingredients there. Mm-hmm. Um And, uh, you know, I felt really embraced by London and by British culture and by the people. Like, I lived in museums, I sewed every day, I went out every night, I was, like, on the scene, and, you know, it was, like, a thing. Like, I really, in some ways, feel like, before I came back to New York, I had, like, quickly kind of... Built this amazing, different, diverse community within London. I had like my West London crew, which were like I'm a from lot West of West London. Yeah, my West London <laughs> crew, and I was living on there on the top, top, top of Portobello Road. And I know that sounds that's like that's where
0: I'm from. So I,
1: I I lived in a house between Oxford and Cambridge Gardens on Portobello. I Road. Li-
0: I grew up just off
1: Oxford Gardens. So I lived at three hundred one <laughs> Portobello Road. This has like literally like I know on exactly. Angle, I think, like, it was totally semi-dilapidated. Oh, there was amazing, like, vintage, actual, real vintage clothing then. Oh,
0: some of the best. It was just amazing. Did you used to go to, did you used to, go to Relic on... I did. Uh, Road? Yeah, I
1: mean, that was, like, fancy. Like, I yeah. couldn't afford yeah. anything there, yeah. but I would, like, go look at all of, like, the early Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I had amazing friends in London. Uh, I met very early on this woman named Anita Pallenberg, And she took me totally under her wing. And, you know, she is, you know, an icon and rock queen. And that was like this whole world. And I also had my models, all my British models that I had met in New York when I was like 16. And so I had this whole kind of West London world and that brought me, you know, to the countryside to have amazing experiences that like a little, you know, kid from Soho, New York, would never see and, you know, mm. seeing, you know, some of the grand houses and having some really fun, debaucherous parties and fun times. And, and I then imagine. I lived with a photographer in Bloomsbury from New York. And that was the beginning really of all of like East London. And I was totally mm. incorporated into this East London scene and North London scene. Um, and part of like the dazed and confused scene. And you know, and cook for this guy named Jefferson Hack, who started this magazine. You know, it was really it was the time, and Alexander McQueen was still showing in London. And you know, it was a really cool time to be to be in London, and a transformative time, I would say. There, I think
0: so. And I, do you know what I have to say? I mean, I was a little, probably a touch too young to fully appreciate that time, but I feel like that was London at its like real heyday. It
1: was a blast i mean mean, it was old world new world subculture still was there um and i was working i mean i was going to saint martin's and i mean let me just say with all of this and all of my uh delusions of fabulosity i would say or, or just the living that i was had like my school the my mates at school were quite jelly
0: I bet they were. But I was just like
1: living. Are you kidding it. me? <laughs> I was just like, and I was working really hard too. I was, yeah. like go home and like sew, and I was selling my clothing um, at a store called Kokuntozai and Pinelli and these like small boutiques and, um, you know, I don't know. I did my first shoot. I got cast off this off Portobello Road to be an extra in American Vogue shoot for Mario Testino at that time. There, I mean, I really. It, it, it was like happening in a way like it was just happening there and I never thought I would leave, but, uh, you know, I all of a sudden like press started on me and I knew there was an opportunity and I basically, you know, I skipped my foundation year. Uh, they accepted me really young and, uh, and I left before my final year. I did two years of school there. I lived there for about three and a half years, but, um, you know I left, and uh you know I never you know thought I would leave. I really felt like I found my people in my home. I like the humor uh I like the like level of um eccentricity meets weird stuffy conservatism like it just yeah. makes me laugh and amuses yeah. me, and I like a good sense of humor and I like dry humor, and I like a good pint. <laughs>
0: I feel you're more of a Londoner than I am I don't <laughs> I'm know. sitting here like uh, I need to actually go and live a little bit
1: more. <laughs> I don't know. That was that. And then it was like, and then I came back to New York and like within like a few months, like kind of like, you know, really things quickly fell into place. Like retailers came to London. Then I came back and more retailers came and I didn't have any clothing. Like I, you know, had pieces that I was making from like my cut up pieces of fabric from the like market street in Soho. the so, like the like extra fabric, you know, stall next to the fruit stands. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, was did you always want to get into fashion? Was that always the plan for you?
1: Um, you know, my first love was being a singer and a, and a dancer. I wanted to be like a song and dance kid, but my voice changed and I became a baritone and I thought, what a bore. Um, but I was always interested in, in, in clothing, and from a little early age, I was, like, dressing dolls and uh, interested in theater, and then in high school before that, I found the costume shop, and I started making clothing for my girlfriends, and I thought, you know, fashion is a world that is, you know, an expressive art form at the time, that's how I felt about it, um, that's also in touch with culture. And it kind of mixes like things that I'm passionate about, which are like music, performance, entertainment, craft, expression. And you have to remember, like when I was an early teen, like it was the moment when like Alexander McQueen and John Galliano were like the biggest, newest, coolest stars doing like extraordinary work. That really changed fashion, and for for suit like that, Karl Lagerfeld kind of then went really theatrical and did it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And Terry Mugler was like doing his finale shows that were like perfection. So it was like all this like kind of heightened, exaggerated, really kind of romantic, expressive look that I really was like that is a world of theater that I like. Mm. and I kind Mm. of dove into that and uh and even Vivian Westwood like at like uh, making just like incredible shows at that time and it really touched me I thought this is like a world where I can be the maestro yeah I can use my craft and hands you know and I really just had no damn idea about the world of fashion before I jumped into it and I Learned Probably it. a good thing. I learned it as I went trial yeah. and error. I mean, I made yeah. so many mistakes. And, you know, I think people thought I was way more precocious than I actually held myself to be. Um, mm. And I played the game and, and learned it as I went. And, uh, and I still learn today.
0: Before we go back to the food, I guess, yeah. you know, I mentioned some pretty serious names in that intro, yeah. you know, we're talking about first ladies and royalty. Yeah, When someone comes to you and I guess, you know, says, listen, I want you to make me a dress. I'm, I don't know, I'm at the inauguration, yeah. I'm at the Oscars, I'm getting married, you know, how does that process feel for you is is it the greatest very process?
1: No, I love is it. Is it really? This is like my favorite thing to do. This right. is where I get into where I, you know, become like a psychologist, right? right? And 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 an artist obviously, but I have to kind of at that moment really feel a person. Uh, which is a big part of what I do. I have to feel mm. a person, feel what they're going for, right? Mm. Understand their fantasies. Their neuroses. um, And really, it becomes like I really treat it as a collaboration. And it's really an incorporative process, um, which, you know, is something really rare and special. And I still do it today. I make one of a kind pieces. I love doing this. um, And I treat it as a real labor of love. It's like getting your portrait made or having a sculpture made of you in some sense. You're going to talk about what kind of material you're going to make that out of textures references i mean and each one becomes its individual journey and story in itself and to me what i've learned over the years and this is like food which is like as much as the result is amazing the process is as as important yeah, yeah.
0: if not some. i mean not with like a dress but sometimes even with cooking i think the process sometimes is even a bit more important than the actual final product because you could be doing something wrong you could cook something for slightly differently and then have a completely different dish
1: yeah exactly well that happens yeah i've had
0: it happen and i think so that's really important times,
1: um with with my work and it starts one place and it evolves and you have to kind of that's part of process and i really Absolutely. love that and as long as they don't drive me too crazy and change too much i mean i've once made a piece years ago i won't say for who for like you know uh, for for a rock queen and i just remember putting like sleeves and sleeves on and off like nine times and oh, i, I think we just finally made it so that they were like removable and detachable
0: <laughs> so that she could just decide I was at like, the do end you what just she wants decide to do? how you want
1: to wear this to the grammys <laughs> i love
0: it <laughs> Back to the food for a bit. So, tell me who influences you and your cooking?
1: Wow. I mean, I'll start with Mother Nature. I follow Mother Nature. Uh, Who influences me? Uh, Gosh, I'm so influenced by cooking with friends. Um, I have a great friend, my best uh, mate and my best girlfriends have a mother who is Belgian, and she's just like, and she's also very healthy in her cooking and delicious. And she just, like, it's, like, bibbity bobbity boo And it's, like, she just can, like, create amazing feasts. And it's, like, incredible to watch. And um, it can go from really, you know, simple to, like, the basics of, like, the sauces are just, like, at ease and done. And I'm, like, I'll just, like, sit and stare and be, like, wow. Like, you just made hollandaise like that. Like, perfect. Like, I'll dip the asparagus in and go. Um, Who influences? Um, There are so... So many. I mean, I'm very influenced by a lot of really traditional Japanese food. I'm really nerdy and watch a lot of NHK, which is like the national news channel of Japan. And they have a lot of cooking programs on there. Wow. So I make my own like dashi broth and like I get into that and mushroom broths and then like do that with rices and vegetables and
0: very Japanese Can curry. You speak Japanese?
1: I can't, but I'd love to be able to. Um... Try and think of other people. I mean, all the greats. And you know, as a kid, I was really influenced by Martha Stewart. Like, oh, yeah, she's just amazing. She yeah, she's like her first cookbooks. You know, uh, you know, other great chefs. I mean, I love, um, you know, my friend Daniel Hume. I love his cooking, and you know, he's just done this big announcement at his restaurant Eleven Madison, and I'm so excited to see this new, you know veggie you know high cuisine i think it's quite a challenge um you know i keep it open that's what i would say in terms of my food like i like really simple food too like i'm great with a great pizza
0: i mean pizza is my life yeah pizza is my life like i mean there's
1: nothing better I love making it in the summertime I haven't where's made... your
0: favorite pizza in New York
1: oh it's really really hard um there's a new place called Frankie's in Brooklyn that's really good okay I have, like different reasons for different pizzas <laughs> right like my childhood like spot closed so that was really sad um and then there's like where some... was that it was on in Bleecker Street it was like in a... don't tell me it's not John's no no John's is there John's okay. is great right john's is great and that's part of my childhood and then like for a sloppy new york pizza i like ben's pizza on spring street because that's like part of my childhood it's a really sweet sauce it's like a floppy yeah slice but i i mean i love a crispy slice um there's so many and for so many different reasons do you remember your favorite pizza place
0: um in london um, okay. This is just going to sound, No, what? Like this is such an uneducated answer. I was raised in places like, um, pizza express.
1: Pizza express is amazing.
0: I still think that pizza express does a good pizza and I have a lot of arguments with pizza No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Pizza express is amazing. I know people like from all around the yeah, world.
0: Yeah. But just to redeem myself, my favorite pizza in the world is actually in Brooklyn at Nakali
1: Oh yeah. That's amazing. That's an yeah. amazing pizza. Okay. That's good.
0: So, yeah, so I'm like I feel like I'm back on track.
1: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's good.
0: Um obviously, you know, you cuz ca- I came from a Jewish upbringing, you came from a yeah. Jewish upbringing. How do you like your matzobels?
1: Oh, I like them as a floater. I like them floating. I like. He them. likes them
0: light and fluffy and floating. I
1: do. I mean, these dense things that fall to the bottom. I don't know. I know some people no. like No,
0: and you're trying to search for them. In
1: between and it's like bobbing around. No, 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 no. Um, and, you know, when I do them, you know, I've experimented with, you know, everything from like seltzer to, you know, all of it. Um, yeah. I love, you know, to me, I'm like this purist i like like a really beautiful handmade broth i like it drained and like clean
0: yeah my father
1: likes like it looking like the kitchen sink in there all the bits everything the bones and i'm like i can't um and uh you know that's like delicious and uh, i also like like borscht soup um
0: did you eat quite a lot of jewish food growing up
1: you know, on holidays I would say. Yeah. On holidays yeah. we did. Um, you know that was. Yeah, on holidays and and my grandmother, who was not a good cook, <laughs> uh, you know, turned it out somehow. You know, I, I've only made come like come I've only made like gefilte fish myself. I made like whitefish gefilte fish. Thank hey. you. Yeah, it's quite fun. Oh, I
0: haven't done that. That's fun. That.
1: Like you can get really into that because you can also put it in like. Those fancy fish molds and then it's like yeah, really yeah, pretty. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. okay, I might do that. Yeah, white okay. fish. It's
1: fun. Mm. Pike.
0: Okay. So I mentioned in the intro that you released your cookbook in 2017, yeah. Cooking with Zach. So how did you sort of get to that point? Obviously, we know that you love your cooking, you love your eating. Yeah. What made you want to now suddenly I was, do a I, cookbook? you know,
1: It was funny, a you know, few years before that, You know, I kind of like the cooking journey for me happened. And I don't know, it's like people knew I liked to cook. It was pre-social media. And at that point I had done like a few appearances on Martha Stewart's TV show. And then I was invited to cook at the James Beard house. I guess I was entertaining a lot, right? Yeah. So like word of mouth in the city. Happened, and I was cooking a lot and entertaining so you know if you serve enough wine to enough fashion editors <laughs> the word spreads cool. um and then Instagram came and I started posting my food and I put a hashtag cooking with Zach my fashion friends were like don't post food this should only be about like <laughs> oh, t- you know typical, fashion yeah. imagery yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. god forbid a selfie um <laughs> And I posted it and it created like a sensation. I think it was like really the first like cooking with hashtag that existed on social media. Um, and from there, like more food stuff happened. And then I got approached to do a cookbook by uh, a book agent who I knew. And, you know, we went down that process and I met a fabulous collaborator and then I took about two and a half years in developing the book. First, oh. I started writing for the for my pitch of the book. I did a great deal of writing ahead of time. And from there, then we started putting the book together and assembling the different teams.
0: And so what is the future for cooking with Zach? Hashtag.
1: The future for it? Um, you know, the future obviously will be hopefully people cooking at home. Uh, but no, actually, I think you know I'm working on conceptualizing my next book, and then oh, also, nice. uh, you know, in the beginning stages of exploring um, some video media potential television concepts behind Ooh, that.
0: Okay, He's maybe screen. Yeah,
1: Zach on the farm, <laughs> Zach Love cooking that. with his cooking with his friends
0: in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania,
1: on the farm, <laughs> exactly in the big kitchen.
0: So what is your relationship with food like? I mean, obviously like I'm talking, you know, you're very healthy for your breakfasts. But do you kind of, is it all about balance for you?
1: It is about balance. I will not, um, I don't restrain myself if I want to eat something. But I will say that in my pre-summer mode into today, I've been on like a crazy health kick. Crazy, crazy. Okay, so what's a
0: normal day? So a
1: normal day is like the smoothie, the egg, Lunch, I'll do a salad and a protein, and that can be garbanzo beans, a smoked salmon in there, lots of greens, lots of uh, fennel, radishes in there, a really simple dressing like Dijon you know, where I do a fine drizzle of olive oil into it, and uh, you know, salt, pepper, a few teaspoons of apple cider vinegar. It's done, or lemon juice. Um, and then dinner, I've been doing a lot of like fish and vegetables, like really simple or a farro on the side or a bulgur weed. So that's been like Mm. my current health kick. And I have to say, I do feel great. Um, that being said, I will not resist like some delicious ice cream or sorbet. I definitely eat a lot of fruit. Um, and then when I'm with friends or entertaining, uh, you know, I will... Eat out, you know more. If oh, I'm craving pizza, if I'm eating craving pasta, like I go for it.
0: You're gonna do it, of course. Um, and where are some of your favorite places to eat in New
1: York? Wow, it's changed from different neighborhoods that I've eaten that over over uh, the time. Um, there's an amazing Buddhist Japanese place mm-hmm. called Kijitsu that's amazing in Midtown. That is, you know, from Japan, and it is incredible. Uh, then, um, Sushi Nas is an amazing sushi place. Um, I'm trying to think where else I love. I love N Brasserie. So now we've covered my Japanese section. Uh, then in terms of Italian, like I just, cause I grew up downtown. I love Bar
0: yeah it's really good i I think it's new york i think it's
1: some of like the best italian food in new york city it's so quick it's so simple i'm like blown away how they like pull it out of such a small kitchen um you know and uh you know then you know i love like jg melons for a good burger like that's classic
0: okay i'm gonna say something a little controversial you don't like it Um, I was taken there. So the last time I was in New York, I actually got proposed to in Central Park.
1: Oh, and, um,
0: and I used to live, anyway, I love New York. It's my place. And the night before I got engaged, we went to this place because I was told that it was the best burger burger. in New York. This is the place. And I walk in and I'm like, this is a pub, but okay. And it was good, but like, it's a burger. It was a burger.
1: Yeah so okay I, I mean there's you know there's there's Explain JG Melon me. and then there's like PJ Clark right that's like the two places okay. right you know I think it's like the mushy bun like yeah. the onions
0: I mean it was a good burger I, I think it goes down me...
1: easy I think that's why people love it
0: <laughs> I liked the um I liked the fries
1: the fries it's good fries the
0: fries are really good fries
1: yeah they're really good fries um you know I'm trying to think like You know, in terms of like more bistro stuff, you know, Balthazar, because it's like a classic there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, New York is such a fun, a fun place to eat. I mean, you have so much, you know, like London, it has such, you know, it's a melting pot of so many different cultures and they get reinterpreted, you know, in their in their new city.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I used
1: to love there was a British place that I love that has my favorite shepherd's pie. Which is tea and sympathy in the West Village.
0: Oh, I know. That was like
1: cozy. That was like fun. I'd get my Rabina and my. You can
0: buy like Marmite there. Yeah, you can, exactly.
1: Yeah. For like
0: like $10 for like like 50 grams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And do you like a New York pretzel?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like it with like mustard. Like, I have to have mustard on it. Otherwise, it's a lot of dope. For me,
0: I agree. I agree. And a lot of salt. Okay, I finished my chats with a few quick fire questions. Okay, are you ready? I am so. My favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps, which is a packet of chips. What is your favorite flavor of crisps and why?
1: Oh, I like salt and vinegar. I'm like, yeah. I love it. I'm like crazy about it.
0: Is there a particular brand that you
1: like, or no? There any, isn't any. no. I mean, I'll the, tell the you. The saltier my, and vinegary, the better. Yeah, that's really good. Or, um, there's a place that I'm just blanking on the name on the Upper East Side. Will called William Paul. It's like an old, weird, classic place. It's like where Lee Raswell's and all the old, like uptown socialites would go as like their deli, and oh, they amazing. make the best, the best potato chips that I know that's out really? there. Absolutely, and like amazing with caviar on it. Darling, I mean, you're talking my my language now. (laughs) Um, okay, so that's my favorite chip.
0: God, I'm gonna have to go there. Okay, what is the craziest food you've ever eaten?
1: I I saw this and I'm like, I've eaten so, I mean, so, I mean, I've eaten rattlesnake, I've eaten uh, alligator in the south, you know, I'll tell you the craziest thing is there's um, these giant bugs in in America right now called cicadas, right? They come oh. out like every 14 years. They're the ones when you're in the country and it's like that yes. crazy noise and it's yeah. like the rage to cook them. Okay. And my father is cooking them. R- okay. <laughs> so
0: what do they taste like?
1: Protein, crunchy, like a little nug. Yeah
0: as 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 you'd expect a bug to taste. Yes. What's your most memorable meal?
1: My most memorable meal, hopefully to come in my future is what I would say.
0: Nice, um, list, nice um, Yeah, my
1: most memorable meal. Wow, I, um, you know, I've had in Kyoto, Japan, some of the most amazing food of my life. I mean, I, you know, so I've had like a multi-course meal that blew my mind. I will also say in Japan, my most memorable meal is at a hidden restaurant run by a farm collective of women um, in Ginza. And it's oh, like wow. the most delicious, exquisite food. And then they sing for you. All of a sudden, there's like commune of women that are fabulous, like the greatest chefs in the world. All women start singing in like harmonies.
0: Oh my god! And in all incredible.
1: sorts of beautiful dishes, like probably like thirty seats downstairs. You take like a flight of stairs down. You know, you wouldn't even know it, and that's like my favorite spot to eat in 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 Tokyo. Okay, I might
0: need, I might need to get that. I mean, you know, when you. I'm not just
1: doing like a simple bowl, you know, of course of, of, of ramen, exactly. Yeah. And then my favorite, most memorable meals, like meals with my family. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What food sums up happiness for you?
1: Wow. Food that sums up, I don't know if it counts as food, but I'm like a candy, I'm a candy man.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, I'm a candy fanatic. Like
0: like what are we talking here?
1: Like licorice. Sour Patch Kids? No, like licorice, gummies. Okay, yeah. That's like real happiness for me. And other foods that's like real happiness, a really good oyster is real happiness for me.
0: Loving these answers. Final question. Live to eat or eat to live?
1: Live to eat. Yeah. Yeah, live to eat.
0: <laughs> of course, as there's no other answer. No hey?
1: other answer
0: oh zach thank you so much what a pleasure
1: well i hope to see you in london sometime. i have
0: spent my life looking at your beautiful designs and now i've got to look at your beautiful face and hear about your wonderful food and i absolutely do hope that we can meet up um,
1: absolutely have a good london. meal together we're cooked together
0: well absolutely if you want to follow zach on instagram he is at zach posen until next time thank you for tuning in if you love what you hear please subscribe and review don't forget to follow me on instagram at crazy sexy food and check out the crazy sexy food youtube channel until next time bye